Drink run. Here we go. McCafe coffees, shakes, and drinks. Ain't no thing. You the man. Yeah, that's what they're gonna say. Oh, Kevin, thank you so much. We love you. <laughs> that's right. You the champ. The drink run champ. Welcome to McDonald's. How can I help you? Own the drink run, Kevin. Own it. Now get a small smoothie, shake, or frappe for $2 on McDonald's one two three dollar menu. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Blog Talk Radio. What's up, Rams fans? This is Van Ram. You're listening to another Sunday Conference Championship edition of Turf Show Radio. With me, as always, 3K. How you doing today, 3K? Man, I'm doing good. Excited to get it on the road. Excited to... To, to get moved out of the, the home in real life and then uh, get settled and start ramping stuff up for TST, man. It's going to be a fun off season. I'm already excited. And it's not even really it off. It is going to be a fun off season. And hopefully we've got a labor deal in place to keep things going, keep things moving, keep the steam pumping in this machine. We'll see, man. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you saw it today, but uh, – Demory Smith uh, used some some interesting language today. Apparently, according to Pro Football Talk, so I, I don't know that they're uh, they're not really that close. <laughs> ah, there's no way. I did see that uh, the the cover of the front page of the New York Times business section today has a big article about the NFLPA. I haven't read it yet. As you know, yesterday was my birthday. I'm a little tired, a little hungover today. Things are moving yeah, happy, a little slow, but you happy know, happy Smurf Day. We well, you know That's when right. you got your 21st birthday, man. You got to you got to rock it out like that. That's right, absolutely. <laughs> you only turn 21 once. You know what I'm saying? You know. <laughs> never never reveal your age, man. That's what they That's always right. say. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, I'm a I'm a blogger. Mom let me out of the basement last night. Had to take yeah. full advantage. Yeah, I just took off my pajamas and put on man clothes. So I'm in the I'm in the same boat. <laughs> <laughs> But no, man. I don't know, man. You know, you, you got conference championships. Start? You got day after the Shrine game. You got CBA stuff. I don't. I don't really know where to start. None of none of it's incredibly Rams specific. It's more like a an NFL day. But that could be a good thing. You know, you don't you don't want the Rams to be in the crosshairs every weekend. No, absolutely not. Hey, let's hear something with draft implications. Three K. Now, this is always going to assume that. Like everything we talk about the off season, it's all about you know the CBA, what happens with the CBA. But uh, Carson Palmer demanded a trade today. Now we'll see how far that goes. But you know, for some of those teams looking for quarterbacks, you know, we talked about Arizona on the site this week as a potential landing spot for Mark Bolzer. You got to think, you know, a team like that that might be a, you know, that's got some players in place might be looking for a quarterback like Carson Palmer. Uh, you know, to, to tide them over for a few years while they develop a quarterback, keep them competitive. Um, just, you know, off the top of my head, trading, you know, obviously draft picks could be involved and <clears throat> could take a – it could mean one less quarterback taken off the board prior to the Rams pick at number 14, if you know what I mean, too. So Sure. And you got to remember a lot of those teams in front of us that, uh, you know, quote-unquote need a quarterback – uh, don't have you know extra picks in uh, any of the first three rounds. They all have just That's their right. uh, original first, second, and third. So you've got you know Jacksonville, San Fran, Buffalo, and Seattle. This is all coming from tweets from mocking the draft, uh, which everybody knows is the premier site. 
the number one, the ultimate side for your NFL draft stuff. Good tweets, though, coming from Dan over the last couple weeks. Uh, He just noted that Jacksonville, San Fran, Buffalo, and Seattle all have extra fourth-round picks. Uh, Philadelphia got a second and a fourth, uh, second last year. Yeah, exactly, and and fourth this year for McNabb. So there's there's not a ton of a – not a ton of extra picks to throw in there. Um, and like you said, it's CBA specific. But it's, it's going to be interesting to see if they do get that deal done, how Carlson Palmer, um, you know, try, tries to put together the, the, what, latter half of his career. If you can assume that he's halfway done, he may be closer to retirement than that. He's already said if he doesn't get dealt, he's, uh, he, he's suggesting the retirement card. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Well, and what's driving? I guess that's what I just kind of caught it on Twitter today that you know he's talking, he's wanting out of town and wanting and threatening to retire if he doesn't get his way. Which I mean, you know, again, this all could, you know, it, it could be just brinksmanship at this point too. But, but uh, what's driving this? Is it a contract you know, you, thing? Is it pissed off at management thing? You gotta, you gotta feel it's a system. It's a philosophy issue. I mean, he's been there for years. And he's dealt with, you know, injuries, obviously, and he's dealt with a lot of ups and downs on the personnel side. And they, they got really close last year, and obviously they took a big step back this year. You've you got to believe that it's just systematic, that the system that they want him to play in and the kind of people that they're bringing in is not what he wants to deal with, whether it's, you know, Terrell Owens and Chad Ochocinco or, or whether it's a philosophical kind of a technical mm-hmm. issue in terms of how they're running that offense. But that's what it's got to be because anything else – you would think that they'd be willing to work with him. It can't be contract stuff because they've always made sure that Carson understands that, that he's their number one priority and they've put that out there and he's not demanding anything yeah. contract-wise. So I don't think that's it. I think yeah. it just comes down to, you know, what what is it that he's looking for that they can't provide? And to me, it's systemic change. Yeah, and you got to think, too, a guy like that kind of probably in the twilight of his career is probably going to want to go to a place where he can compete. Right away, and you know there's some talent. There's some teams that need a quarterback that do have some, you know, that, that have some talent on the roster to compete. You look at San Francisco as an example. Now I don't know with a new coach that they'll they'll necessarily pursue a veteran quarterback like a Palmer, but you know there's some talent on that roster. You look at a Crabtree and Vernon Davis on offense, and Frank Gore and some of those guys, and you know obviously we know San Francisco has a talented defense. You know Arizona's got some good players on it too. You know. But, you got to think Larry Fitzgerald would love to play with Carson Palmer as after spending some time with Max Hall and uh, Derek Anderson last year. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a, there's always going to be teams who can sell the positives. Um, but again, if you know, if the issue truly is that it's a system issue, uh, it, it's going to be who sells the system the most. Uh, in that case, I think Arizona may have a leg up on everybody just because they've shown the proclivity to throw, regardless of who's back there. You know, Derek mm-hmm. Anderson. Uh, whoever they've thrown in, Max Hall, everybody's gotten their shot to really chuck the ball around despite uh, not having a lot of experience within, within that franchise. So, you know, if, I, if I'm Arizona, the pitch I make is, look, we, we're ready to go. We just need somebody who can compete within our system, and that's got to be what he's looking for. I, it's, an interesting, yeah. it's an interesting, you know, point of speculation given that it just happened not too long ago, but it's something that uh, could affect the draft and certainly could shake up the NFC West in 2011. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Hey, uh, speaking of 3K, so we got a couple. We got a, we do have a, we got we got a few topics on our mind here today. We got we got some things to talk about. Um, let's uh let's take it let's let's take the buffet approach here. Let's um, I, I want to get to some free agent stuff, and now I'm not talking about the the armchair general manager free agent signed Vincent Jackson sort of stuff. I'm talking about some of the 
some stuff that seems like maybe minor roster moves for the Rams, but you know could have some pretty big implications for them during this off season. Well, let's get names. the rules straight, man. Let's get the rules. What kind of buffet is this? Is this a, you know all you can eat Chinese super buffet? Mm, buffet? Is it a dim sum? Is this like a golden corral where it's like all around the world? What what kind of buffet am I looking at? Because <laughs> I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Well, you know, I always I prefer the dim sum, and and maybe that's the apt analogy here because you could take some of these names on this list, wrap them up in a little little wonton, and and serve it up just right. You know what I mean? It's not a main course. Albert Hainsworth. But it is. Albert Hainsworth is, is now very very interested in Turk Show Radio all of a sudden. <laughs> Sounds delicious. <laughs> no, good stuff, man. Good stuff. And I see we got a caller. You want to take the caller on or you want to roll up Let's this do it. free Let's agent do the caller call. thing? Let's yeah, do the caller, caller thing. Right call away. from the 916 area code. You're on Turk Show Radio. What's going on? Hey, guys. What's up? Uh, Midas Knight here. Midas, what's, what's up, up man? my man? Hey, uh, just uh, run into the store to buy uh, food for uh, dinner tonight. Thought I'd check in. A uh, couple of things I wanted to say. First, for the love of God, why are we talking about Carson Palmer? Um, <laughs> second, and and this is something that uh, I've thought about all year, and, uh, you know, we don't really have to talk about it now, but I want you to think about it for the next few months. I actually think Alex Smith would be a great backup quarterback for us. And the reason is, he's not very good. He's not a starter, but he does come in for a game or two and play hot. Yeah. Not a bad um, point. I agree. Not a bad point. And the thing is, with a backup, you never want to invest too much. Look at look at the Eagles and what they did when they invested so heavily in two quarterbacks and Vic and Cobb. So yeah, I, th- I think it's a, it's something worth pursuing. Definitely. The question, I think, depends on what the Rams think about A.J. Feely and how comfortable they are with him as a backup. But, yeah, personally, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Midas, on that one. Well, that's um, interesting, though. Go ahead, Midas. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, no. I, I figure I've only us, got man. five minutes to talk. You guys got all day. <laughs> no, hit us up. Hit us up. Oh, the other, the other thing is, uh, um, you know, i I got to believe – um, and I made a post about this. I gotta believe that we are seriously now a competitor. And what I mean by a competitor isn't necessarily the field, the people we have on the field competing for a Super Bowl, as much as the entire organization, and that includes Stan, is ready to. Even if they make poor choices, they are ready to try and put a great team out there. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, they did this McDaniels thing, and it may blow up in our face. And I don't really know whether I like McDaniels or not, but my point is, that's bold. Yeah. When's the last time we were yeah. bold? Sure. I, I and it was really, a good post. I think it's it it, a... the best thing about the move, too, you know, the, about bringing in McDaniels, love him or hate him. You know, it shows that the Rams are, are you know, they went out and got the probably the best name you could get in terms of pedigree right now for, for an offensive coordinator, and, and they went and signed him. So that's a big deal. Now, does that mean yeah. that we go out and we? Um, I was talking to a buddy of mine that there's, you know, there's there's different kinds different kinds of top free agent buys. If 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 we were last year, now keep in mind of where we were last year. If we were to make a play for Julius Peppers, I believe that would have been a terrible idea because you have to overpay to get him, and we're not close enough. However, mm-hmm. now I think we can start to overpay a certain degree for a couple of top free agents, get Logan Mankin, get Rice, 
get Jackson, get one of those guys at least, and um, mm-hmm. that would be okay because we're closer. Yeah, I completely agree. Oh, yeah. and this was something we talked about earlier in the season when we talked about Terrell Owens. People were talking about Plaxico not too long ago. It, 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 the problem was those teams that are looking at guys like that are a player away. And we, like you said, we, were, we just weren't a player away. Now that we've added Bradford, we've added Laurinaitis, Long, Bradley Fletcher, all these guys through the draft, and you've got some role players. You've got an Amendola, maybe Clayton and Avery come back and really help the wide receivers. You've got another draft this year that's going to bring in the talent. You're going to be much, much closer. And I completely agree that this is a – and I've said it before, this is the most important offseason because now you're closer. Now the moves that you make are going to determine whether you make that jump from close to mediocrity to above average to real contender. So I completely agree. If there's the, a season that we've had in the last half decade to be able to go out and really grab somebody, this is it. Yeah, and, yeah. and I think and there's a willingness there because you look at you look back at you know the Rams were involved. The Rams were pretty serious about Vincent Jackson until I think they got the Chargers asking price and realized that you know they weren't willing to budge on that. And you know they looked into To. They looked into some pieces like that this year, even though you know we were more than just one player away, but. You know, that's a positive sign, and that means that there's probably even more impetus in the front office to get some stuff done. You know, I was just thinking back to the 2009 season. The Rams made two big free agent moves that year. They signed Jason Brown, the center, to a big contract, a big offensive lineman contract, and they they re-signed Ron Bartell, although he was technically a free agent at the time. Those are two pretty big financial commitments, and so you think – if the 2009 Rams are willing to make those kind of moves to get kind of some building block players in place, you got to think that this year, after a seven and nine season with you know finally being a competitive team coming into view, a lot of people interested in. You got a guy like McDaniel's, you got a quarterback like Bradford, you got a Stephen Jackson on the team, you got a defense that's pretty good. You got to think, like you say, man. This is this is an attractive destination for for players now. It's not going to be you're not going to have to overpay necessarily to get them to come here because you're not a competitive team like you used to. But yeah, that'll be a it'll be big moves, and you know it'll just be a you know we'll see we'll see. I think you know they're going to probably pick their guys and go after them pretty hard. You know what I mean? As opposed to to taking right. a buffet I, approach to it. I, I got so one last question for 3K, and then I'll uh, I'll drop off here. Um, 3K, you're our college – well, you're not the only one, but you seem to be our main college guy. Um, do you suppose, since we don't know anything about the CBA yet, let's just assume the draft comes first. Yeah. Do you suppose that uh, that we can, at least in the first couple of three, four rounds, go BPA regardless of position, and I'm saying that with the exception of quarterback, we go BPA regardless of position, and then fill in the gaps of free agency, or do we target people in the in the draft still? You know, it's possible, but you can't say that you know without the context. It depends who's there BPA at each of those picks. If you get to the middle of the first round and it's a it's maybe an outside linebacker like Akeem Ayers or you know defensive lineman or even offensive you know somebody like Pouncey coming out of Florida, yeah, those make sense as BPA. But if your BPA is you know Jake Locker or what's a maybe a middle linebacker, although there's not really a middle linebacker that I see in, in that spot, then obviously you've got to grade that back. I think it's contextual. Personally, I'd love to see it because we've got enough holes that you can go BPA and fill in a lot of spots, whether it's wide receiver, offensive line, uh, linebackers, defensive line, even in the secondary where you, you – 
could arguably add at cornerback and obviously pull somebody in at strong safety. BPA makes sense for this team right now, but it's got to be put in context. It really depends on who's there. And I, w- I wouldn't have a problem with it if the guys are there and we just, you know, almost similar to some of the previous drafts that we've had where we're pulling out guys that everybody's looking at and saying, wow, that doesn't really make sense. Like a Kyle Rudolph out of Notre Dame that got mocked to us recently. And we're looking at, you know, who Amanda Daniel Fells, and even Fendi Onabun and saying, look, we've got some depth, we've got some options there. But that's the kind of move that I could see making sense if the free agent moves are there to back them up, to fill in some of the other gaps, certainly. And by the way, you know, talking about making splash moves, I don't think Alex Smith is going gonna, is gonna to count as one of those big moves in free agency that really puts us on the map. Oh, no, no, <laughs> for sure not, for sure not. I think he'll be cheap yeah, even, though. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And good stuff on that fan post, Midas, the, uh, between the lines. I completely agree with yeah, you definitely. about the uh, the symbolism of the McDaniels hiring. All right, guys, thanks a lot. I got to run. Hey, hey no stuff. problem, man. Hey, thanks for the call, brother. Yeah. Yes, Kay, that's kind of an interesting point, though, about the backup quarterback was that, you know, with McDaniels, you know, Feely, obviously the Philadelphia connection, knows that, knew that offense, the West Coast system that Shermer ran. I <laughs> You know, I, do the do the Rams keep him? Do the Rams, you know, do they just keep him and say, hey, we got one more year under Feely under contract. Let's just let's just take it and, and roll with that, and and then I'll have to one less move to have to make during the off season, or do they go out and maybe try to find a different kind of quarterback. I think a lot of it depends on McDaniel's. You know, he he's coming yeah. in with a system and an offense that that he's going to try to install. And obviously, the fact that Spagnuolo checked off on the hire means he's comfortable in trying to bring that offense in. The question is behind Bradford, who do you want to bring in? Should Bradford go down? Do you want somebody who's young and talented? Do you want a veteran who maybe feels comfortable with either that playbook specifically or something comparable to that? There's a lot of options. There's a lot of options. You look at what what McDaniels did in Denver and the fact that he got there with Jay Cutler and he was like, look, this isn't the guy to run it. And he was very adamant about that. So I think there's a, there's a aggressiveness in McDaniels in trying to find the right guys for that system. Now, obviously he's not going to be the head coach anymore, but he's still got to be able to go to his head coach and say, look, should Bradford go down? We need somebody that's capable in this offense. And if Feely's not the guy, then look, let's be honest. We got to make a roster move there. If not this year, then certainly next year. But, uh, you know, there's no reason to wait because the Rams are going to have a lot on their plate coming in 2011. Hey, Van, we're, we're rolling on, man. We got another caller, brother. Holy shit. Let's do it. Let's bring him on. Let's do it. Another one from the 916. You're on Turf Show Radio. What's going on? What's up, fellas? Kelly Randman here. Hey, what's, what's up, up my man? Yeah, so I missed the first half of the show, so I don't know what you guys have already covered, but uh thought I'd call these calling. Chime in, try to do a little participation, seeing how that's been uh, slightly lacking. It has, and we appreciate it. But mainly, all we've been talking about is Carson Palmer and Alex Smith, the uh, the two biggest issues facing the Rams right now. <laughs> and some free agency <laughs> stuff. We, 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 yeah. we, we're not gonna lie, we, we got some free agency stuff out there too. Yeah, I think that's probably the. What's on your mind today? Uh, uh, not a whole lot. I you know continue periodically be checking. Uh, you know, basically draft draft stock information. You go on, do a little okay. research on some players, find out if they fit the team or not. So uh, other than that, I really haven't really, you know, I didn't really come in with an agenda. Just out of the, Any, uh, the conversation. So you've been well, looking well, at who have you looked at in, in your recent research? Any names that are that are popping out at you as, as good fits? 
Um, well, you know, I didn't get a chance to watch the East-West Shrine game uh, yesterday, but I, so what I did is I went and kind of read up on the, uh, you know, the, basically a recap to who had a who had a big day, who had a, you know, who had a tough day, watched their stock fall. And it uh, turns out that kid out of uh, Syracuse, the running back, had a, a pretty nice day. Uh, apparently yeah. they were saying pretty effective, um, you know, even though he, he likes to dance around a bit, they were saying he was pretty much effective the entire game. Yeah, Delone Carter. He, he's a solid running back, and he's an all-around guy. He's got a lot of capabilities. He runs hard. He's got good size. Um, like you said, he dances around a bit, but there were some offensive line issues. When you pull in the Shrine game, you're not going to get the best of the best when it comes to the offensive line, and especially when you're adding guys like Marvin Austin, who hadn't, uh, who hadn't gotten any time this year and, and is more talented than most of the other guys in the Shrine game. Uh, it makes it tough for the offensive line. But he is a very capable back. He's a, he's a good receiving back. And uh, I forget who it was that said it in the in the open thread for the game that they were interested in Carter. The only problem is he's kind of like yeah. a, a bit of a, a Stephen Jackson minus one. And he, he's not really a complimentary back. He's kind of more the same. So I, I don't know in terms of McDaniel's offense whether he's going to be looking for more of the Stephen Jackson type or, you know, something that I've advocated that a lot of people agree with. It is a speed back, that shifty guy that's really going to give us another gear, you know, somebody like a Dexter McCluster that you can throw outside, Jacoby Ford, Jamal Charles, you know, that kind of guy that really has a speed element that we just don't have out of the backfield. Uh, but DeLone Carter, he's certainly somebody that's going to be targeted pretty highly by a lot of teams this year. Greg Cooper, uh, Miami, was another guy I mentioned today because, you know, he, he had a pretty decent little game in the Shrine game, mostly just kind of because he put to rest some of the injury issues, but he's kind of more of that. Speedy guy, good on the outside runs, can catch a ball, return sure. man. You know, that's probably a fourth, You know, as far as that, uh, fitting that, that speed guy role, you know, I've been real partial to Jack Lewis Rogers as of recently. You know, I've kind of kept an eye on him being on the West Coast, being able to, to watch him, you know, on the same time zone. And, uh, he, I mean, you, you look at how does a player do against teams that uh, basically have – talent-rich, NFL talent-rich defenses. And over the last few years, your team to kind of peg that towards, you know, the, the guiding point was always the seat. And Jack Quiz mm-hmm. Rogers happened to, you know, he'd have a field day with them each and every time. So it was kind of amazing to see how these, uh, def- you know, NFL talented-rich defenses were really having such a tough time with uh, with Rogers. You know, I mean, they, they had a point where, I mean, three, what, First, second round linebacking guys with uh, Clay Matthews, Cushing, four. and Maluga, mm-hmm. and he and, yeah, and, and he, then they he had ran uh, for four. Four, okay. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. Was it Feely? No, uh, I can't remember the fourth guy's name, but uh, I don't remember either. Uh, but yeah, you know, it was four. that was a strong class. Yeah, <laughs> and he had over 100 yards in the first half. You know, so that's that. That can't be an easy task, but it's a nice little barometer to gauge. You know, uh, mm-hmm. at the next level, will this guy have some, some form of success? And I talked about it before on a response to somebody. He reminds me of a, a lot of a work done type. You know, as far as he, mm-hmm. he reads his, he uses his blockers extremely well. You know, the guy sits behind everybody's kneecaps, but he, he his patience allows him to really utilize his uh, his speed and explosiveness for such a little guy without uh you know losing a whole lot of yards. Um, yeah. So, I don't know, he's really struck me as uh, one of those change of pace backs that can have an impact at the next level, even though he doesn't have the prototypical size of an NFL running back. Sure. Yeah, he doesn't have the size, but, you know, like you said, for his size, he's got great vision. 
That's definitely a plus. And for a lot of guys, I mean, you compare him to Greg Cooper. The, the difference between Greg Cooper and Quiz is that Quiz has a lot more top-end speed. The reason that Greg Cooper makes for a good re- returner is that he's got good acceleration. Um, but, but his top-end speed just doesn't compare to a lot of guys that have that acceleration and have the frame he does. Greg Cooper is a skinny, skinny running back, man. And yeah. that's one thing that, that I'd forgotten about when I wa- watched the game yesterday. He's got some skinny legs on a running back. So, you know, there's a lot of question about what he's going to be able to do compared to a guy like Warg Dunn. Warg Dunn had some stout legs. I actually saw Warg Dunn back in high school, and he really yeah. grew into his build. Um, throughout college and then obviously into the NFL. Greg Cooper just doesn't have that kind of a build. Quiz is a smaller guy, but he's got a lot of speed, and that was one thing he, he busted up USC a couple times on, is uh, you know working the sidelines, like you said, those outside runs. They pull a lot in the, in the mm-hmm. Oregon State running system, and they do a good job of it. And when they give him those lanes away from James Rogers, his brother, who plays wide receiver, they would throw him a lot of times on the weak side, and then they'd have a strong side pull run. And, you know, Quiz with his speed, he can do a lot of things. He's a guy that definitely makes sense, I think, in the system. The question is value. You saw a guy like Javid Best go in the first round. If people are going to reach for a back like that, that, that's tough. That's really going to be tough to justify because, you know, the running back position just doesn't have a lot of value in drafting anymore. You look at guys like LeGarrette Blunt going, uh, you know, undrafted. Um, Chris Ivory for New Orleans going undrafted. There's a lot of quality running backs that are going deeper and deeper in drafts. It's going to be tough to justify for a Rams team with as many holes as we have taking a guy like that really, really early. Well, uh, especially for a team like ours where, you know, they, they have tended to look for – you know, I think linebackers and defensive linemen prospects in those middle to late rounds too. Sure. Yeah. Or tight ends last year. I, I'm thinking, you know, Jaquiz is more of a fourth to sixth round prospect. Um, and and you know, I want to touch on a point that you made about work done. You know, he had these stocky legs. That's the same thing with Jaquiz Rogers. It's amazing sure. someone that small who is just sitting there with these monstrous legs. And it, it and it, I, I really noticed it when they were giving him goal line carries. You know, it's, you don't normally see a back that size get goal line carries. Usually they bring in a guy that can mash, you know, use his strength and mash it in for those tough few yards. But it, it's amazing. The guy, I mean, he already has a, a low center of gravity being so short, and then you add some uh, some stocky legs to him, and the guy was able to churn and, and, and gain yards that you just wouldn't expect from a smaller back. But I, I think you're absolutely right. The value has to be there. You know, should he come in the fifth or be available in the fifth round, I think it's a great opportunity to snag somebody up who can give us uh, multiple different looks. He's got great hands. He actually blocks very well, you know, and it's just not, you know, stuff that you don't typically see from these smaller backs. So, uh, yeah, I'm really intrigued and would like to see kind of what he would sit come draft day. Yeah. You know what's like interesting you said, about he, that, too, is it, it's just talking about those, you know, we mentioned Greg Cooper, but – you know, a lot of those smaller guys like that, it's the injury history. I mean, you look at Dexter McCluster with Kansas City last year. You know, he dealt. They dealt. They lost him for a pretty significant amount of time because of injury. And, you know, that's just, a, you know, those guys make great compliments and great role players in the system. But, you know, I think, you know, trying to find somebody that, you know, obviously the competition level, even for guys like McCluster that played in the SEC in their college ball, it's a whole lot different in the NFL because everybody that's coming after you is faster, is as big and fast as, you know, the best players in your conference in college, but you've got everybody on that team. You know, every opponent, defender is that way. And so finding finding guys like that, it's smart, but finding guys like that, you know, the next step in terms of getting the value from a general management, roster management perspective is, you know, a guy that's not going to sit on the bench eight games out of the year because he's, you know, he's fast as hell, but he's also fragile as hell too. 
Sure, and that, that's that's true. But you got to remember, they're a bit different build. McCluster's got a about ten pounds, probably lighter, uh, maybe even more than Jaquiz's. Yeah, I think and so. yeah, and the difference lighter. is McCluster and Jaquiz Rogers at the college level are your every down backs. Um, they're getting yeah. carries, you know, 15 times a game, maybe even 20 times a game. That just doesn't happen in the NFL. You know, McCluster was only rushing the ball one, two, maybe even four or five times in his in his heaviest load at the NFL level. And he didn't miss five games this year, you know, through injury. McCluster did. So it's certainly something that well, you have that, to worry and that's about. That's just Jaquiz what I think Rogers. the value with Jaquiz might be, is, is somebody, you know, sure. he's a little stouter guy, a little more, you know, can withstand a little bit more wear and tear than, you know, someone like a Taiwan Jones or Greg Cooper or somebody like that. Sure. And, you know, Jaquiz Rogers, Dion Lewis out of Pitt, similar builds, about 5'7", 190-ish. Noel Devine is the same height out of West Virginia, but he's going to come in at about 175, maybe even 177. So that's the kind of guy that you look at where you're talking about that kind of injury issue. And Jaquiz does have a shoulder injury um, that he dealt with two years ago. So, you know, there's a flag there. But that, that's part of what goes on in the combine is the medical testing, and you really want to test it out. And then yeah. when you talk about systems, then you can deal with, okay, how often do we want to plug him in and that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, you, you guys mentioned uh, Cooper. You know, the first name that pops to mind when thinking about Cooper is a uh, uh, guy who just kind of started popping on the scene for Green Bay. James Starks. You see, uh, build-wise, they're, they're, I wouldn't say they're prototypically the same, but they have a lot of the same features. And you know, James Starks, obviously an undrafted guy, but uh, he, he's kind of a, a thinner base, but very, very good lateral movement, agile. And uh, you know he had a pretty big game that first uh, that first playoff game. So you know when you're talking about in comparisons, it's uh, you know someone of that stature was able to you know skill set was able to slip through. And obviously, a large part due to the fact that he missed two years with constant injuries. But you know sure. James Starks Cooper kind of uh, they, they have a slight resemblance. Yeah, definitely similar. The, the biggest difference, obviously, is Starks' production. Um, but at the same time, you know, Cooper played in Miami in the ACC, and Starks went to Buffalo, so you're talking about, obviously, a drop in the, the level of competition. But, yeah, there, there's a similarity to be made there. I can see that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, good stuff, man. Absolutely. Um, okay, ne- ne- hey. next point. Uh, Let's keep rolling. You know, I know we, we've been talking about multiple different positions that need to be addressed, and everybody kind of has a different idea as far as priorities. Um, what do you think about this whole wide receiver address in free agency or draft? You know, I've been saying it for a while. I, I really think that free agency is going to be our target for that position. Um, but I'm curious to know your, your guys' points on this. What do you think, Van? I tell you what, this is tough. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it seemed three weeks ago it just seemed so easy because – yeah, the Rams need a, the Rams need better wide receivers, and that's definitely still true. But you know, you're you're looking at Donnie Avery and probably Mark Clayton coming back healthy next year. Now, can you count on them to stay healthy? That remains to be seen. But you know, you got those guys in the mix. You've got kind of a little different. You know, it's a, it's suddenly a little bit better wide receiver core because you've got some different dimensions to it. You know, Avery, you've got a guy that that has some speed, which we sorely lack in that group last year. You know, Alexander, Denarian Alexander, another thing, can he stay healthy? But, you know, how much better is he going to be with another year in of NFL experience under his belt? And so, you know, then you start getting into the questions like, well, I mean, do you want to go out and spend the kind of money and get a Vincent Jackson or a Malcolm Floyd, Sidney Rice, somebody like that in free agency? Um, you know, do you draft a Julio Jones at number 14 if he's there? Or do you, you know, maybe maybe try to get a, you know, think about the kind of 
receiver maybe that the Rams are missing beyond those guys and try to get one of those type guys later on in the draft, second round or beyond? I mean, you know, it's not an easy answer to itself. I, I You know, personally, I'll tell you what I think. Personally, I would probably – you know, and the free agency thing sucks because you don't know what's going to happen, and that's going to totally throw a kink in the draft this year if they don't, especially if they don't have free agency by the time the draft rolls around. But, I mean, you know, you look at it, it's hard to think about passing up a Julio Jones if he's on the board at number 14. Good chance he won't be. But if he is, you got to kind of wonder about, you know, why wouldn't you take that guy? Or, uh, I mean, do you trade down maybe and then try to get like a Jonathan Baldwin type guy? Or, you know, that's probably not somebody we really have on the roster right now, you know, that is probably at that level, you know, at that level of of ability. Um, you know, personally, I would probably try to sign a big free agent and then just be done with it. But that's a lot of money that they could use for other stuff too. So there again, it's, it's, it's no easy answers. I mean, maybe they want to spend some money and get a defensive end, get a defensive tackle this year in free agency as opposed to the draft. I don't know. What are you guys uh, it's it's well, tough. I mean, like you said, without the without the CBA, you're kind of pigeonholed in that you don't know whether you're going to get a chance to really make a difference on the team before the season starts. Should we get a de- deal in place to have another season next year? Um, you know, wh- one of the things that I thought was interesting, there's a piece in uh, by J- Jim Thomas at the Post Dispatch today that was talking about McDaniel's approach to the offense and that he wants more balance and things like that. And he was talking about you know aggressive is just a word, but there's there's a mesh where you, where you got the things that you like and everybody's comfortable with. That this is Spagnuolo that was saying, uh, and you always want to have the quote zip and juice or something new, um, and, and you're looking for new ideas. Well, if that's the case, you know you, you gotta you gotta have somebody that stretches the field. And they talked about that in the article. The question becomes, is Donnie Avery that guy? And you know it's tough because you've got until April to kind of make these decisions if you're going to look at the draft as an opportunity. And I don't know that they're going to answer the Donnie Avery question before then. So, you know, tough, tough decisions, man, coming up. And whether you're – I don't think the the key is whether it's free agency or the draft. I think it's who. It's it's a matter of which player they think is going to be the upgrade. We know LaRon Robinson's position is obviously the premier spot to upgrade because between Gibson, Alexander, Avery, and Amendola, you've got some options to fill in the depth chart and maybe even Gilliard if he sticks around. But you've got an opportunity to add that possession guy. Uh, to me, that that's that's the key position to upgrade, and I don't I don't know who's going to do it. It's it's a tough question, but you you've got to get somebody in there that can do it with more consistency for Bradford than than obviously the Ron Robinson was able to do this year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And one name, you know, I think you bring up a good point as far as it's a, a possession type receiver. We have you know multiple options at the the relatively other kind of skill sets that you look for in, in the wide receivers, but having that possession guy, you know, we've talked about uh, Gibson being that guy. Lent Robinson was uh, hoped to be that guy, you know, but it's it, it, it's it's almost like the point that uh, I'm starting to feel like we're starting to settle, almost like guys are trying to convince themselves that our, our wide sure. receiver core is just fine, and we may not need to address it at all. However, I, I, I tend to disagree. You know, I don't want to convince myself that our wide receiver core is fine and that we don't really need assistance elsewhere because I, I don't think that's the case at all. Um, so one name I kind of – I haven't mentioned it at all throughout the blogs and stuff, but I've been thinking, what about Braylon Edwards? You know, people are going to be staying away from him because of his little uh, LeBron James friend mishap, uh, you know, constantly <laughs> being in trouble. 
uh, even had a little a little bit of trouble, some issues this year uh, in New York early on. Um, but for the most part, the guy's young. He has the physical tools that you would love to see in a wide receiver. He's you know he's been a pro bowler this early in his career, and he has proven effective when his hands aren't made of stone. You know, so going forward, having a guy like Bradford to be able to distribute the ball to him. I'm sure he'd appreciate that over when he had Derek Anderson and that second year Derek Anderson couldn't find him at all. Um, I, I don't know. I think that might be a less uh, less expensive option, but still be able to fill the the needs for a wide receiver position. Uh, I'm curious to know what his market's going to be. Um, but say that Vincent Jackson and Sidney Rice are just too highly coveted and dollar-wise it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, do you really lose a lot production-wise from a Braylon Edwards? I mean, the, the guy's a phenomenal athlete, comes from a great gene pool, and uh, you, you know more or less after a few years of uh, of production that the kid can get it done. And he's not, yeah. you know, he's not old enough where you have to worry: that, is he going to be around after a few years? Sure, that's a good question. I think you know, similar to the Donnie Avery question in terms of what we get coming back. The, the question for me with a guy like Braylon Edwards is how much of an upgrade is he over Mark Clayton and what Mark Clayton gave us earlier in the season? Um, I, I don't know the answer to that, but you know, it, how much better is he? He's also another. Let me throw Let me throw one more consideration out there in the conversation about receiver. You know, this is Donnie Avery's last year under contract. And so, you know, maybe the Rams do want to start thinking more seriously about finding somebody in the draft that, you know, do they want to re-sign Avery? What's it going to take to re-sign Avery? Do they think they can get maybe another guy like Avery, you know, somewhere else in free agency or later on in the draft, you know, not if not this year, then next year, you know, to 2012 season? I mean, you know, you start, you start planning for the future there. And at some point, you know, you've got to kind of get, you know, you've got this bevy of young wide receivers. Obviously, no, none of them, Avery's the best of the bunch. You know, none of them probably, you know, fit that superstar profile. But, you know, the team, I mean, do they want to develop some of these guys and bring them along and kind of keep them with there? I mean, you know, it's, you know, the, the Avery contract thing is just kind of a, different, a little different wrinkle into the conversation to, you know, to, to, to think about here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and good one question I have is Mark Gilliard. You know, I I know the kid's the first year. Uh, I know there's a big transition. He came in a bit late. But the question is, it doesn't seem like he has that desire to make it at the next level, almost like he's content just to be there. And you, you want you want to hear more about the guy. You want to see more from him. But it just doesn't look like, whereas Cincinnati, he knew he had to be an impact player for his team to succeed. Well, with the Rams... Um, it just doesn't seem like he, he wants to be that, that impact player that when he steps on the field, it's his goal to make a difference, you know, and that's a little disheartening from a guy that, uh, you know, had so many struggles early on that wouldn't optimize a chance to, you know, really make an impact with two wide receivers on the depth chart going down early in the year. <laughs> well, sure? you know, I'll kind of, def- I'll defend him a little bit just in the sense that, you know, and then the organization's kind of taking this tact with it too, but, you know, the, the NFL's kind of funky graduation rule, so he missed all those spring practices. You know, no OTAs in May or June for Gilliard at all. And so that, you know, that hurts you in terms of getting the, getting some familiarity with the playbook because it's one thing to see it on paper and it's one thing to even, you know, run the routes and, 
you know, with a helmet on your head in the, like they do in the spring practices. And then, you know, he was injured in training camp. He dealt with injuries kind of off and on again throughout your hamstring injury. And then, you know, you look at that last game where they had him return some kicks and it was just brutal to watch. And you, you kind of got the sense of, like, is this guy maybe pressing it a little bit, you know, trying, trying to make something out of nothing and, and you know, well, like in baseball where you're kind of going up to the plate to swing for a home run when you're a, you know, singles and doubles type hitter in the ninth inning sort of thing. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, the guy has to have a big off season, that's for sure. The guy has to look good in, in OTAs. The guy, If they have OTAs, the guy has to look good yeah. in OTAs. The guy has to look good in training camp to keep that roster spot. That's for damn sure. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, is along with maybe Avery and even Ho'omano Wanui going into next season, this is a guy who's got to have a good offseason. Because, you you know, a fourth-round rookie wide receiver, you can give him a semi-pass in year one. We talk, You know, guys like Keenan Burton, you, I can understand where those guys just don't get it done in year one. Even if it's an attitude thing, like you said, he's just happy to be around, you can be happy to be around in year one. I can accept that for a fourth-round wide receiver in his first year. But by year two, that that's just not going to cut it. So I, I think the key is, is there a carryover in mentality and, and approach for Gilliard in terms of year one to year two? If so, look, you can't play like a rookie. You can't act like a rookie when you're not a rookie. He, he's got to be able to turn it on. And, and it, it doesn't just have to be in production, but it's got to be an approach. He's got to be the hardest working wide receiver in year two to show people, look, I'm not just a guy who was a college stud. I'm willing to bring something to this team at the NFL that, that warns me staying on the roster and staying a part of this team. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. I, I think when you have a later, mid to later round draft pick, I look for Philo, you know, first in, last out. You know, are you putting in the extra effort to try to exceed expectations and maybe progress as a player, as an individual, you know, or are you just content, you know, being there and hoping, hopefully maybe you get a shot and you'll take your shot, you know. Are you giving that extra effort to basically improve yourself and the team around you? And he's got to be that guy this year. He's got to. I completely agree, man. Yeah. All right, well, good well, stuff, brother. Uh, we got another caller on the line, so thanks for calling, though. Yeah, thank you, guys. And uh, he thanks again, Callie. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. Take care, guys. All right, thanks, brother. Good stuff, man. Three K, another caller. I know. I wasn't ready for all this, man. I'm, I'm not ready for the fame. I'm, I'm just not ready from the three one four, man. We're getting famous. Welcome to the the famous, the soulful Turf Show Radio. What's going on? Uh, thanks, guys. Uh, I had a couple of questions. Uh, the first one is thoughts on Bruce, Bruce Carter, uh, North Carolina linebacker, and also if you guys could talk about. And I didn't miss the, or I missed the beginning of this, uh, so sorry if you guys already talked about it. But the drop off um, and some of the specifics in the drop off from. Julio Jones to Baldwin, because uh, I kind of see that's, you know, that's where our wide receiver question is going to uh, play a big part. How much of that drop-off is there? I know with Blackman not coming uh, out and going in the draft, it, um, you know, disappointed some of us. So if you could talk about the the drop-off between those two and then Bruce Carter, the linebacker. Thanks. Sure. What's your name, man? Uh, Anthony. Anthony. All right. Too easy, man. Um, yeah, Bruce Carter's a really talented guy, uh, does a lot of really good things, uh, and I can see him playing both sides of the ball. You know, I, I think part of the question has to be, in terms of this defense, w- what the blitzing responsibilities are at the Sam. We, we don't see a lot of that. You know, we, we've dropped a lot of our, 
uh, whether it's Larry Grant, Vabor, who played over on that side, we've plugged in some different guys at the position. And, and a lot of times it's coverage and man-on-man responsibilities, and, and we don't blitz that position, you know, a lot. And certainly not as much as other 4-3 defenses do with that strong side. So if that's the question, then you're looking at somebody who can, who can maintain responsibilities and have the discipline and experience to play in a, in a coverage role more often than not. And I think he's a guy who can do it. He, he's certainly athletic enough. I, I wouldn't put him up there as strong as maybe Akeem Ayers out of UCLA in terms of that role. Um, but but he's, he's maybe an all-around guy that can do a lot more. Now maybe the question becomes if we pick up a guy like Carter, do we need to, to exercise that kind of availability for him on the outside? You know, how much does he change what you're able to do defensively, and how much do you have to account for that when you're putting together the game plan? Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't think any of us do, but it, it's something to bear in mind. Uh, what, what do you think? What do you think about outside linebacker, Van, as we get closer to the draft and, you know, what kind of roles we need to approach and what we need to expect out of an improvement over there? Here's my thing with an out, the outside linebacker. It's, I mean, how much, you know, g- given that this is a year where the Rams really kind of need to compete, and this is something we've talked about with wide receivers before, but, you know, given that the Rams need to, to really compete and, and, and get on the winning side of the ledger for the first time in a long time this year, I mean, how much how much time do you have to develop a linebacker? I mean, we know Spags and Flahole can develop linebackers. That's not the issue. But, I mean, you know, is there a guy like a James Laurinaitis an outside, a weak side version of James Laurinaitis that is, is NFL ready as soon as you draft him. I mean, you know, that can step right in and fill the role and 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 improve that. Because I mean, no question about it, that was the worst part of the Rams' defense this year. And, and had they had a stronger weak side linebacker, I think you know you you, you might have had another win or two. Not that the defense gave up games, but you know, you think about the difference that would have made. Now, so. I mean, if, if there's a guy in the first round that can make a difference, or a second-round guy, maybe. Or is this something you look for in free agency, maybe? I mean, this is where you go with free agency, because your defense is ready to kind of, you know, your defense is playing at a high level, and you want to make sure that in 2011 it's only playing at a, it's, it's, it's playing at a higher level than it was in 2010. So, you know, that's a question I have with that, too. I mean, we, you know, yeah, not especially... who's available in free agency, but... Yeah, especially because, you know, we're just not able to rush forward consistently and, and we don't have a defensive line that we can rely on like a lot of other teams, like a Chicago Bears that can throw four up on the line and you can sit a lot of guys back in coverage. We just don't have that, that ability. And that's why you saw when we're rushing four and we're dropping those outside linebackers back in coverage, we don't get a lot of pressure out of those front four with any regularity. And teams are able to go over the middle and hit those spots where you, where you expect an outside linebacker to be able to make a play. The question becomes which you know which comes first, improving the defensive line or improving the outside linebackers. I, I don't know that there's an answer to one or the other, but I know you've got to address one of them. You've got to address either you know the fact that you're not getting a lot out of, out of your defensive tackles in a pass rush. James Hall had a lot of great coverage sacks, uh, but you know he's not a young man. <laughs> Can you expect a, no. a similar 2011 from him? I don't know. You know, and, and teams are able to focus on Chris Long and try to negate him. He's a t- tenacious guy on the outside, very valuable part to that defensive line. But without a consistent pass rush from the interior, it, it makes it a lot easier for teams to negate anything from a four-man rush. So, I, I don't know. Yeah, you, know, what the you saw the Rams. Well, and you just and, and go in there real quick. You saw the Rams struggle, the defense struggle against the better offensive lines that they played. You think of New Orleans, you think of Kansas City. Those are both games where the Rams kind of the Rams defense struggled to get a pass rush going. Yeah, we just don't have the line. What were you going to say, Andy? 
Uh, I was just going to say, where, where would you say that uh, he falls in the draft? I mean, do you think what round do you think he's reasonable in getting for Bruce Carter? You know, it's there's still a lot of time when you talk about draft stock. There's still a lot of things that could change. You know, the nature of the game, especially at the position. Because uh, a lot of teams are looking for athletic guys. You know, you look at guys like Aaron Curry, Vernon Golston. Those guys tend to go really, really high if they have the measurables to to boost that stock, even for, you know, Aaron Curry in a 4-3. Um, you know, personally, I'd have him first round, maybe mid to late. Uh, I, I don't put a lot of value on those kind of guys, like his role in terms of making him a top 10, top 12, top 15 guy. Very talented. But if he has a really, really strong combine and really pushes out in some, some of his agility moves, you know, like the shuttle, uh, those cone drills, not necessarily his 40 time, and, and puts up some strong power numbers, although I think Ayers may have him in the power game. He's somebody that I could see maybe a team that, that is really trying to improve their uh, their defense and, and really make that a, a focus uh, of how they approach that you know, uh, approach their philosophy, approach the kind of caricature, that symbol of what a team is. You know, you talk about like a Pittsburgh defensive team, Baltimore yeah. defensive team, those teams that are really make, trying to make that a focus. I could see somebody stretching for a Carter maybe, you know, 10 through 15. Um, I don't think it's going to be us. I'd be surprised if it's us. I know that, you know, that's probably Spag's, you know, instinct is to go for the defensive side of the ball, but he just doesn't have a history of doing it for an outside linebacker. Um, I don't yeah. know. What do you think, man? Is, is that is – that, the kind of answer you're looking for is it time for wide receiver? Or is there is there something still lingering on the Bruce Carter question? That sounds good to me. I mean, you know, it, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do in the draft this year because you know draft patterns are, have been it, it's been fairly easy to identify because you know they've had so many you know with the first and second overall pick and and so many particular glaring needs offensive line quarterback in the last few years. You know, you'll start to see some. I, I think more draft front office identity when it comes to the draft this year. So yeah, I I, and I just I, I don't I don't see them taking an outside linebacker that high. It just it just doesn't yeah. fit with 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 the with past precedent with with those coaches. Sure, and that's something we talked about is draft strategy. And I, like you said, it was very easy before. You had to go for the prime positions, outside t- tackle, middle linebacker, defensive end with Chris Long and quarterback with Sam Bradford. The wild card in the, these last three years has been cornerback. You know, whether you're talking about Bradley Fletcher, Jerome Murphy, uh, you, you know, that's been a surprising position where they really look to spend some valuable picks. With those positions, maybe you can still throw cornerback in the mix, but w- what is left at that kind of wild card position that we're going to be looking at? I, I don't know what it is, but I think that's going to be something over the next two years that we look at and say, wow, I didn't expect us to address, you know, Whatever it may be, guard, with you know, inside offensive line, even maybe a center, um, you know, something like too, a wild card like that that we're going to look back and say, I just didn't see it coming. And I think the I think a secondary position could, you know, uh, and now I say secondary in terms of cornerback or safety, you know, with that first round pick, depending on who's available, depending on who it is. But you know, that's a, that could be a real wild card. You look you look back at the Eagles. Now, I know Spags was an assistant, not the main guy, but, you know, when Spags was working for the Eagles, they drafted three, I want to say, first-round cornerbacks during that time. I mean, that seems like a lot to me. And you, you look at the cornerbacks, I think they're probably fine with Fletcher and Bartell, but, you know, what if you get to pick number 14 and Prince Akamura is there or somebody like that? Yes, do it. Say that name again, Van. Say it for me. <laughs> I say it right. Prince, no, I got that part right. <laughs> there you go. Just call him Prince. 
But no, that's good stuff. I know we got about 10 minutes left, so let's get to that wide receiver question for Anthony real quick. Let's do it. You know, the drop-off is significant. Um, and, and the reason why for me is that A.J. Green and Julio Jones do so many things. They're so versatile. They can stretch the field. They've got good top-end speed, athletic, good hands, good awareness, you know, good, good discipline in terms of maintaining a, the kind of route masking that you need out of guys so that, you know, those first five steps when you're talking about the route tree look the same every time. They do a lot of things differently. Now, I know John Baldwin went out and, and when he declared said that, that he felt his draft stock had been hurt because he wasn't allowed to do a lot of different things. But, you know, it's almost like the Shermer question. What, was it that he wasn't allowed to do things or that the coach and staff didn't feel comfortable with him running a lot of those intermediate routes? Still, you know, given his size and given his ability to work downfield, he's got some positives there. Um, yeah. The question uh, is, what, somebody, you know, what – go ahead. No, I was just going to say somebody called him kind of the poor man's Brandon Marshall. To a degree. You know, I don't, I don't see him as athletic with, a, you know, that kind of yak ability, but he's certainly a guy with a lot of size with, you know, solid hands that can work the sidelines. The question is going to become throughout the scouting when people go back and look at him on tape and look at those opportunities that he's had to do things over the intermediate level, is he ready for more responsibilities in that respect, or is it something where, you know, the jump from college to NFL, that gulf of, of ability is going to be almost too much for him to handle. There's going to be a lot of teams that need a guy that, that – you know, that can accentuate the kind of skills, those advantages, the mismatches that he's going to be able to create. You look at a lot of teams like a Patriots, I wouldn't be surprised at all if John Baldwin is a Patriot in 2011. With as many picks as they have in those first two rounds, he's a guy that makes sense in a system where they're looking for a wide receiver like that, that has the size and ability to work the sidelines, Mm -hmm. and an offense with a quarterback in place that can make the most out of him. Um, Whether or not he makes sense for the Rams that's tough to say. I mean, we talked about wide receiver, and I'm sure we'll be talking to ad nauseum in the months ahead. But he, right now what he's bringing to the table is a, is a limited set of skills that he's proven uh, at the college level to excel at. And, and that's sidelines and size. He's, he's obviously going to be a solid red zone target for teams that are looking almost like a tight end hybrid that have his size. He's somebody that you can spend – certainly a second-round pick, maybe even an end-of-the-first-round pick on at this point. It's going to be interesting to see how his stock changes over the next couple of months when people go back and look at what he's done and, and get yeah. some sense of the measurables between the combine and the pro day of what they think he can do at the NFL level. Well, you know, that's why I come back to that Kyle Rudolph pick that I think it was on Walter Football had in the mock draft. And a couple of people are like, well, why would the Rams pick a tight end in the second round? That's crazy. But – I mean, if you're looking for an offensive playmaker and your receivers aren't on the board, I mean, then maybe, you, t- you you know, that's where a tight end like Kyle Rudolph starts to make some sense for the Rams because you've got a guy that's kind of a different skill set than the tight ends you have in-house already. And now who knows what Fendi Anubon's going to, you know, turn out to be as, as far as a player goes. I mean, I you know, I hope he, I hope he t- pans out really well, but, you know, <laughs> You may not think you need another tight end, but there's a chance to get another playmaker on the roster that can, you know, that gives you kind of that's a good guy for a seam round. He's a good red zone target, stuff like that. I mean, you know, there's a good mismatch maker essentially. And then if it if it means having an imbalance of tight ends versus wide receiver on the roster, then you know, so be it. But you got another playmaker that gives you some, you know, that expands the pages of your playbook for you. Sure, and you know another thing that when we talk about the uh, the McDaniel's move, if you look at you know the Patriots and what they were able to do with two tight ends this year and Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, is is there going to be an opportunity to run the, you know some more two tight end sets? And the fact that that is going to take away from the wide receivers, I don't think anybody's going to be too uh, upset about that given the play of our wide receivers this year. You know, you look at a guy like Tony Scheffler, he had some he had some good games and, and a good history under McDaniel's. It wasn't stellar. 
But maybe that's something McDaniels is looking into. When you've got a guy like Ho'omano Wanui, when he's been healthy, has been a, you know, a valuable part of the offense and has shown even in his first year that he can get some things done. Now, you know, how, how much is the injury going to hurt his development? That's yet to be seen. But if he comes out mm-hmm. and, you know, and has a good offseason and you add a piece like Kyle Rudolph and, and guys like Billy Bajima and, unfortunately for you, Van, I know you're a fan, but Daniel Fells start falling to the, to the wayside, I, I think that adds a, a, an interesting element to, a, to an offense where, you, where you're trying to work in you know, these intermediate and shorter routes. And I know McDaniels and even Spags, they're not going to get away from that. You know, we talk about stretching yeah. the field, but you know the bread and butter is going to be working the middle and working that six- to eight-yard range on the outside. Those are going to be interesting components, that tight end position, and whether or not they go to two tight ends, that, that could be an interesting question that gets answered on draft day. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just a matter of, you know, the wide receiver thing. You know, you can't get – you need playmakers, but you can't get Julio Jones or A.J. Green, so you've got to have backup plans, and, and you got to find other ways to get that done. What do you think, Anthony? What, what, what's, what's your thoughts on, the, on uh, you know, John Baldwin? You brought up the question, man. What do, you, what do you think about him? What do you think about the golf in terms of the tiers? Yeah, I just think there's – I mean, I think there's a pretty huge drop-off. And, um, you know, unfortunately, some of the other wide receivers we wanted didn't declare. And I, I just think, uh, you know, Julio is probably going to be gone. And I, I worry about kind of reaching for uh, some of those other wide receivers when we've kind of seen a recent history – and I've seen it all along of wide receivers getting picked up in those, you know, later rounds and still having an impact. So I, uh, you know, I may be on the more cautious side and would say not to reach for uh, a wide receiver, uh, especially with all the ones that we have coming back and, uh, you know, probable Donnie Avery and Clayton uh, being the wide receivers. Yeah. And on the on the outside linebacker front, you know, I see a lot of risk in taking somebody like there's What's up? I think we lost you. Hello? Harder. Hey, start over with that, man. We lost you for a sec, brother. Oh, sorry. On the outside linebacker front, I, I also worry about uh, errors. And, uh, you know, I see a lot of mixed things with errors and worry about reaching for um, an outside linebacker in the first two. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, it's I would be, tend it's, to go more. No, go I would ahead. tend to go more the line, either offensive guard or uh, you know defensive tackle. I think that's where I'm leaning. Yeah, it's going to be a strong yeah. draft for defensive linemen. Certainly, even a defensive end is. There's a lot of options, and that's one of the good things about being down at 14 instead of being in these top two, top three picks, is that now you have options and. Uh, you know, mo money, mo problems. <laughs> you know, Amen. I can I can always throw I can always throw a big reference, man, when you talk about draft. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, no, good stuff, Amen. Andy. Thanks, man. We we got to wrap this up. We got about two minutes left, but thanks for the call, brother. Yeah, we want to make sure we get everybody off to the what should be looks like a pretty good NFC Championship game, 3K. It should be, man. I mean, you got the you got the setup, you know, to make it. Two really, really historic, really important, memorable games, um, and to the, you know, to that effect, I wanted to bring on a guest uh, to to talk about some stuff this week. I want to bring in Bart Scott. Bart, how are you doing? I'm angry. I, I, wow, Bart, man, I know you're angry. You know, for all you non-believers, you thought we wouldn't be able to do it, disrespect us, man. Three K, you couldn't catch a nosebleed. Now, Bart, calm down, man. 
Calm down, brother. I know, it's not it's not me, man. I'm not the one. This was this was the one radio show, the podcast that couldn't be touched. The media talk about how great you guys are doing. Van Ram, Midas Knight calling in. You know, yeah, I don't believe in it, baby. Y'all want to talk about podcast twenty six in the league? I don't, I don't even know what that means, man. That doesn't that doesn't even make sense. That's not even English. Um, but yeah, have a great game today, Bart, and uh, do your thing, man. Maybe we'll catch you next week on Turshow Radio, man. If you got hey, if you got a chance. Thanks for calling in, Bart. Can't wait. Wow. That was a celebrity celebrity guest appearance. That was I don't know why Bart Scott's shouldn't he be practicing getting ready for the game, I, man? That was kinda maybe that was kinda strange. There's a lot of swagger there. Maybe they just kinda figure at this point what what good does practice do? I think he's just running in circles trying to get in as many angry interviews as he can before the game. I don't know. That's a yeah. that's a disturbed man. That was a disturbed <laughs> man. That was strange. That was well, very uncomfortable. You know, that's why that's Thank God it was over the phone. There's no damage that can be done via the phone line. Except guys with two first names, man. Never trust guys with two first names, I'm just saying. (laughs) Word. Word. We're about to go into overtime. We didn't even get to CBA. We didn't even – so many things that we didn't get to, man. Good day, though. We got a ton ton of shit to cover the next time. I'm telling you what. Well, there's a lot of Churchill Times behind-the-scenes stuff that we're going to have to cover next time, too. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. You know, we're we're turning up Man. the heat, Spinal Tap style. Turn it up to eleven. It's going to eleven, baby. It's going to eleven this year. Every day, every week, June, July, still going to be on eleven. That's what I'm talking yeah. about this year. Well, let's see. We got now that we're off. <laughs> sorry for everybody that commented the open thread. We didn't get to this stuff. You want to hit the open thread? We got some questions. I tell you what, we here's what we're gonna do. Here's what we ought to do with the open thread, and just to it. reward everybody, because I know everybody wants to get kind of get settled in, crack open a cold beverage, watch some football games here. I, we're gonna turn those into posts. Now, here's the kind of nice. attention and love you get for being a user, a community member at TST. You ask one question in the Turf Show Radio post, and the hosts don't get to it. It gets its own post. It's I like it. Post on the website. You know what I'm saying? See, thinking outside the box, man. You're, I love it. I love it. I, you know, hey, that's that's why, uh, you know, that's why Bart Scott calls in angry and pissed off at us because we are that thinking outside the box. We're making waves. I just, uh, I don't know, man. I feel like I'm being stalked. I don't know. He's a, he seems like a good guy, but he's angry. He and you know why? Why? Why Bart? Why make that appearance? It just wasn't necessary. <laughs> But it's all good. Maybe we'll have Jim Rome on again one of these weeks. I think we had Jim Rome back in uh, season one of Tertio Radio. Yeah, we did, as a matter of fact. Yeah, strange stuff. But I don't know, man. We covered a lot of drafts. What do you think? What, what's what's left to touch on before we close it out? I, you know, 3K, I, I, I don't know. The CBA thing is – it's pulling at me, but I mean that's a that's a whole big long conversation. I was gonna say, unless we're gonna be on for another forty five minutes, I don't think uh I don't think we need to tackle that this week. It's not going away, let's put it like that. And like I referenced at the beginning of the show, the uh the language that DeMaury Smith used this uh let's see. According to the report from uh and I, I use report loosely from uh Pro Football Talk, quote unquote, we are at war. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are threw, at uh, I saw something that one of the NFL PR guys throwing kind of 
throwing back at in Rooney's face a little bit on the 18 games thing. So For sure. And that's man. See now I'm tempted. Now I'm tempted to get into it. But I'm gonna I'm gonna stop myself. We'll leave it for for another show, another week. But uh, this isn't going anywhere. Let's put it like that. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. We'll Unfortunately, we may be to... talking about this thing in August. <sighs> yeah, I I would hate for that to be the case. But you know, at this point, I wouldn't be surprised, man. Wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. 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 Well, let's put it like this. Here's a good wrap-up topic. We got conference championships today, man. What What are you thinking? What are you expecting out of these games? You got a, a solid, you know, classic rivalry between Green Bay and Chicago and the NFC, and of course you got the Smash Mouth uh, Steelers against the what's a, what's a good term? The never-ending mouth of the Jets. I don't know how to put it. <laughs> what do you think? What are you expecting out of these two championships? I- I, to me, the AFC game looks like it's a it looks like a good game, but I mean, I think you know, obviously, you probably have the Steelers have the advantage there. I, you know, it, it's not as easy. Why, why do you say that? Why do you think the Steelers have an advantage? I just it's you know they got the home field. I think they've got you know overall pretty well rounded. Not that the Jets aren't though. Overall, pretty well rounded team. I just think you know you maybe the maybe the experience of having been there before for a lot of the guys on the Steelers comes into play today. If it's a tight game, you know they make the plays, they finish the drives, they they come through when they need to. Versus kind of you know maybe you've got some you know younger quarterback on the other side of the ball there that's just you know looking good, but maybe just not quite ready to get it done. And if it comes down to if it comes down to a last minute, you, I mean a last minute thing, I, I'm going to go with the Steelers on that. Good points. Good points. Hard to argue. The, you know, I hate trying to predict this stuff because it's almost pointless trying to predict NFL stuff. So, I don't know. I'll I'll, I'll take the, the other game since you took that one. Um, you know, the, the problem with Chicago is you know that they got the talent on defense. It's an offensive issue. Um, and everybody is going to look at Jay Cutler as the weekly question mark. You know, when, when is the week that Cutler blows up? I wouldn't be surprised if it's this week. You know, Green Bay's got a, a really strong defense. When we talked about it, what was that? I think week nine when we had Tertial Radio and did those predictions and we threw out some teams. Green Bay was a team that I threw out to keep an eye on. And it's just because they've got mm-hmm. the talent defensively. And when you've got a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers who can do the things he do, does, you can't count them out. Similar to Atlanta, but, you know, Green Bay went there and uh, Aaron Rodgers had maybe the best game of his career. Uh, yeah. I think the big question for them offensively is what what do they put on the field after that game, especially in the running game? You know, Green Bay doesn't have – you know, they brought – who was it brought up Starks earlier? I forget. Uh, but the name was mentioned. It, it's going to be Hallie. interesting to see how they manage – yeah, how they, how they manage the running game um, because you know Rodgers, Driver, and Greg Jennings, they're going to get it done. You, you can't really stop mm-hmm. them. You, you've got to limit what they can do, but there's a running game there that's a big, big drawback, and if uh, – if Green Bay can't get anything running, if Chicago can really prevent them from from being the go to the run on a second and five and pick up three yards to make a manageable third down, or even on a first down to get those early five yards in the running game, it's going to make things tough for Rodgers, and he's going to have a bigger load on his shoulders than he did in Atlanta. And that's saying something when you got to face a Julius Peppers, when you got Brian Urlacher in the middle. They can do a lot of things defensively. It's going to be an interesting game. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I really think it'll be a. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to the NFC one a little bit more than the AFC one. I couldn't, I I could not tell you why that is, but I just think that'll. Uh, I, maybe I bought into the rivalry hype. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, but I think it's going to be a, a pretty damn good game. There's a go, there's great storylines there. You got the historic rivalry. I think it's only the second time they faced each other for a conference championship. I think. Um, 
you know, Soldier Field. The the field looks like crap, as the, the early reports, and it's obviously, you know, it's Chicago, so it's not exactly the most uh, temperate climate. On the other side, you know, Rex Ryan and the Jets, man, they're their own storyline every week. And, of course, the Steelers with their history and guys like Paul Amalu, Mike Tomlin, Ben Roethlisberger, there's plenty of storylines. And the, the real winner is the NFL, man. It's not like baseball. You know, baseball is always complaining about they can't draw viewers because of the storylines. Well, that's their problem. Mm-hmm. We're constantly talking up, you know, four teams all season. When the NFL has the parody they do, every team's going to have storylines, every single team, man. Yeah. And, this certainly isn't a day with that without storylines for these two games. Well, you know, in the NFL, I mean, last week's game, all-time record, division series, all-time TV ratings record, and I'm sure it will be the same thing this week too. But, hey, you know, all-time TV viewership, well, why wouldn't you scuttle the league? I mean, you know, it's funny. I, I went, that's I the went irony there. Of it. I went there. Breaking records, and now they're looking at a lockout. It's an inter- You know, the the bubble that NFL owners and the NFLPA live in is a strange, strange bubble. <laughs> Won't somebody please think of the poor owners? Won't yeah. somebody please think of the poor owners in this? It's sad. 3K, sad I, you know, I don't want to inject anymore. I'm done with cynicism for the day. I can't. I, I've, I've got I seriously doubt that. For- Let me be cynical as to the end of your cynicism. How about that? I'll throw it right back at you. <gasps> Okay, okay, good point. Well, I'll save it for the game threads. How about that? There you go, man. There you go. We can comment on the – I'm sure the Palomalu Head & Shoulders commercial is going to throw us throw us for a loop by the, the 30th time that we see it. <laughs> Already a classic. Although I miss, my, I miss my Paula Creamer commercials, man. I haven't seen that since since Rams game. I don't know what happened to my Paula Creamer commercial. <laughs> you, need, you, you need the <laughs> – if Palomalu's got the shampoo commercial, they need they need somebody advertise a dreadlocks hair product for dreadlocks. I mean, you know, raw well, it could be a, what's his name that got arrested? Uh, who was it, man? Maroney. I said he looked like Tippy. Who? Yeah, Lawrence Maroney. Maroney. That's right. Looked like Tippy Longstocking, man. I think that that'd be a great endorsement. <laughs> That was a great picture. I know we're in the overtime, so people aren't listening right now. But if you're if you're catching up on the back end of the show and you haven't seen the mugshot, do yourself a favor and check Oof. it out. It's uh, yeah, trying to share with Nick Nolte in the all-time mugshot Hall of Fame. Oh man, <laughs> you gotta you gotta wonder. Some people, you, they, I know it's the NFL and people have posse's and people have yes men, but you've got to have somebody that before you leave the house says, "Hey man, are you are you really gonna go outside the house looking like that?" Do you, let, let me help you out. Let me help you out. Just save it all off or something, man. It's going to be quick and painless, and uh, you'll thank me that's after. That's the key thing to remember when you're putting together a posse. you got to have somebody that's going to tell you the truth. You know what I'm saying? Have and I, I can understand it. I understand, you know, coming from the South and being a minority, I understand the ghetto fashions and whatnot, but there's a limit. There is a limit, man. My goodness. There is a limit. And you know, that's, I had a friend. I had a friend once who dropped a good piece of advice: never leave the house looking like you're going to be embarrassed in a mugshot. Always be prepared for a mugshot. That's the key. Look at Tom Delay, man. That mugshot, perfectly quaffed, nice smile. That's how you want to look leaving the house. You know. That's right. You got to give Tom Delay or the Lindsay Lohan's like third mugshot. Yeah, yeah exactly. Couldn't tell the difference between sloppy. publicity stills. You know what I'm saying? You got to be prepared. Got to be Absolutely. prepared. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, there you go, man. I think I think that's a good point. Lindsay Lohan, Carson Palmer, those are, those are the Tom kind of Delay, 
<laughs> Those are the kind of bookends that you want on turf show radios. Kick it off with Carson Palmer and with Lindsay Lohan. Nothing but rain. That's right. That's right. That's right. Three <laughs> K. It's been another excellent addition. We had three callers today. That's that's very promising. And some extensive callers, some extensive conversation. It wasn't just a yeah. you know simple questions. It wasn't yes or no stuff. So yeah, absolutely can't hate on um, that man. Absolutely. I know that, that's good. Thanks for calling in, everybody. We can't say that yeah, enough. Definitely. We love we love the calls on Turf Show Radio. There you go, man. Well, I got that game on. Let's see. Green Bay already at the one second and goal. I think I think Oof. it's time to to wrap this up and get into some football, my friend. It is. I got to I got to get to drinking and get to cooking, three K. So I am. There you uh, go. I'm gonna wrap this up myself. There you go. All right, Seven nothing. Green Bay. I think that's a good bookend. Let's get into this football, Oof. brother. All right, three K. Always good. Thanks again, Rams Nation, for tuning in. Go Rams, three K. Parting words. It's the off season, but it still counts. Go Rams. Absolutely. All right. We'll talk to you all later. See you later, 3K. Drink run. Here we go. McCafe coffees, shakes, and drinks. Ain't no thing. You the man. Yeah, that's what they're going to say. Oh, Kevin, thank you so much. We love you. <laughs> that's right. You the champ. The drink run champ. Welcome to McDonald's. How can I help you? Own the drink run, Kevin. Own it. Now get a small smoothie, shake, or frappe for $2 on McDonald's one two three dollars menu. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.